Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Good evening. I have just returned from a very good Bible study with the Digging Deep group in the West Huntsville family, along with uh, one or two others from area congregations. We really had a great study tonight in month eight of our Great Escape study, Escaping with Ingenuity and Work. And that study was led by Holly Smith, and she did a fantastic job. And lots of the ladies who were there brought in concepts and insights that Cindy Colley, of course, had not thought about before, and lots of research from various scholars who have studied in depth the passages that we were talking about tonight. I just really enjoyed that study. I wanted to talk to you for just a minute tonight about Ephesians, beginning in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, and talking about the works that are condemned in Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 it says and this is the passage that is just the hallmark passage for those people who would say that we are not saved in any way by works the verses say for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it's the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast or that no man should glory. So when we look at this, what kind of works is being condemned here, or not necessarily condemned, but negated here as being works which cannot save us? And we have the answer right here in the passage itself, not of works, lest any man should boast or should glory, for we are his workmanship. So the kinds of works here, which are those works that cannot have a part in our salvation, are works about which we could boast. It would be Noah coming out of the ark and looking at the rainbow and saying, I'm so glad that I saved, I saved my family in this boat or it would be or you know look at what I did I built this boat and and so because I built this boat my family was saved or it would be Abraham perhaps coming down from Mount Moriah and saying see I'm I'm bringing Isaac down look what I did I saved my son or it would be the uh, crowds that marched around Jericho and the walls fell down and and they said whoa look at that city of Jericho we've really conquered that city look what we have done or it would be Naaman coming up out of the water after having been cleansed of his leprosy and saying oh I'm so glad that I thought about dipping in the Jordan River because Look what I've done. I have cleansed myself. Or it would be uh, those Israelites who looked at the brazen serpent saying, Look, we're healed. Look what we did. We looked at the serpent and we figured out how to be saved from this plague. You get the drift. It It's works about which I could say or would say, Look what I have done. And so today, the devil loves it 
when people in religious circles classify baptism as that kind of work. They would look at baptism and say, oh no, baptism can't save us because baptism is a work. Baptism would imply that I did something in order to be saved. Now this is in spite of some very clear teachings in the Bible from the lips of Jesus himself. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved in Mark 16, 15 and 16, Matthew 28. And then we read in Acts 2 on the birthday of the church that Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. I've spent a lot of time lately listening to some lectures on exactly what that word for, the word ace means. And in that construction, the construction of that sentence in Acts 2.38, there is no doubt that that word means repent and be baptized for, that is to obtain the remission of sins. That's what that passage clearly means. And then we go on over to, well, Acts 8, we see the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip preached unto him the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And his response, we're not told the details of what was preached there, but his response was, see, here is water. What doth hinder me from being baptized? We read clear passages about the conversion of Saul, who was later to become the apostle Paul, and Ananias said to him, and now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized. Why? For the washing in that verse. Arise and be baptized, calling on the name of the Lord. Arise and be baptized, washing away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. That's Acts 22 and verse 16. And then we go on over. We read in Romans 6, 3 and 4 that baptism is the place where we contact the blood, where we become dead to sin and where we are risen to walk a new life. We read in Galatians 3, 26 and 27 there that baptism is where we put on Christ. We read in uh, 1 Peter 3, 21 that baptism also now saves us. In spite of all of those passages, if we really dissected those, we would see that baptism is for the remission of sins, we would see that it is for those who will be saved. It is what saves. We see that it is the washing away of sins. We see that it is where we put on Christ. It is We see that it is where we contact the blood. And these are not uh, wishy-washy passages. They are very clearly stated and very easy to understand. And the devil must just really be very happy when the religious world says, well, we can't be saved by baptism because, well, because baptism is, is a work. I, I want to seriously think about that now and, and don't think about it with, um, in the back of your head, what perhaps you were brought up thinking or perhaps what your parents said or with any, any false humility before the Bible, that is to say, oh, well, I know I couldn't do anything to save myself. You know, if we said 
look at what I did. I was baptized, and so I had the ingenuity to wash away my own sins in baptism. You know, that'd be a work of which we were boasting, and that would obviously not be a work that would save us. But when we approach baptism by saying, Lord, you know, it really doesn't matter what I think. It really doesn't matter what the religious world teaches. It really doesn't matter what I might be accused of as I go down in the water. I'm just going to do it because you said for me to do it in very clear language in order that my sins might be washed away. And I don't want to meet you, Lord. I don't want to meet you after I live here without having my sins washed away. So baptism is an And have you ever thought about the fact that we don't baptize ourselves? We submit to baptism. We we don't really uh, biblically get baptized even. We are baptized by someone else. We submit to a burial in water. There's nothing prideful about that. Nothing a work of which I would boast. It's something that I look to God and say, God, I'm going to submit. I'm going to submit to your will. And I'm going to take the step that emulates the burial of my Lord in a tomb. You realize Jesus submitted as God to being in that tomb? And we submit to God by being buried and then by being raised as Christ was to walk a new life. But I want us to notice one more thing while we're talking about that. Many of the same People, sweet people in our world who would reject baptism as a work would say we are saved by a prayer. They might call this the sinner's prayer or the prayer of acceptance of Jesus. It, it's some, it goes something like, Lord, thank you for saving me right here and right now because I believe that Jesus is your son. Well, first of all, when we pointed out how that baptism is a required work of which we cannot boast. We pointed out many, many passages that clearly state that baptism is essential for the remission of sins. But did you realize that the sinner's prayer, the Lord, I thank you for sending your son. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. Please save me right here and right now. And thank you for that salvation. When we think about that prayer, do you realize that it's nowhere in Scripture? And never was anyone told as an alien sinner, someone who had not contacted the blood of Christ, never was anyone told to pray in order to do that? Never in all of Scripture do we read about anyone praying in order to be saved. And yet, Prayer is specifically, uh, this, this is what I really wanted to, to come to tonight, that something that I thought about this week that really um, has impacted me as I've thought further this week. Prayer is specifically listed as one of those works that might be done to be seen of men. People who say they're not going to be baptized because baptism is a work are really overlooking the fact That prayer is a work. It's one of those works in Matthew chapter 6 in Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. I'm turning there now. Matthew chapter 6. 
and we read about some things that we shouldn't do to be seen of men. These are works that you might do, and if you do them with a the wrong attitude, they're good things, but if you do them with a the wrong attitude, if you do them to be seen of men, if you do them pridefully or boastfully, then you're incurring damnation on yourself. Matthew 6 verse 5 says, And when you pray, don't be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the street that they might be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. It's right now. They're being seen of men. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into your closet, and when you have shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and the Father which sees in secret shall reward you openly. I just think it's very interesting that baptism is rejected while clearly commanded, it's rejected by 98% of the religious world because it's a work. And they substitute something that's not ever commanded in the scriptures, prayer, when prayer so clearly is described in the context of a work. In Matthew chapter 6, it's one of those works of which you might boast. Why would we say that baptism can't be a prerequisite of salvation because it's a work, but prayer even a prayer that's never mentioned in the Bible is not a work when it is specifically listed as an action of which one can boast in Matthew 6 verse 5. Something to think about and not just something to, to look at and say, well, that's interesting, but something to think about as we contemplate the eternality of our God and his authority in being able to tell us exactly what the requirements of salvation are and to think about that in view of the judgment day we just really need to get into the word to decide that it doesn't matter what i've been taught or what the religious world in general believes after all jesus did say that the way to life is narrow and few are those who find it but the way to eternal destruction is wide and many there be that are going in that gate. Ah, I just want to look at the word. I just want to look at the word. And when I see clear commandments from God about how it is that I obtain what is undeniably a gift of grace, that which I can never boast of obtaining, but when he tells me clearly the step that I must take in order to receive the gift. And I just want to humbly before him say nothing prideful about it, nothing boastful about it, nothing that says, oh, look at my works. I earned my salvation. It can't be that. But just looking at what his requirement is and saying, I'm going to do whatever it is that you've asked me to do. When I was a little girl, I heard a sermon in which faith and grace and works was illustrated this way. What if a man is given a brand new suit? Let's say you're given a brand new suit by your boss at work. Thinks you've done a good job maybe or whatever. It, is. it has no strings attached, but he's giving you a brand new suit. And he says, just come up to my office and pick up this suit and it's yours. Is that a gift? Well, yeah, that's a gift. Is there something that you need to do in order to get the gift? What if he said, you said there were no strings attached. You said this was a gift. So I, I don't want to presume that, that I'm going to earn that gift by walking up to your office and, and getting it. 
And the boss says, yeah, but I want you to come get it and put it on. I want you to wear it. You know, uh, Galatians 3, 26 and 27, we put on Christ. We're not going to get any benefit from the gift that God's made available to us unless we're willing to get it. Unless we're willing to put it on. And we put on that gift in baptism. Thank you for listening. Hope you have a great day. If you find yourself in Huntsville, Alabama, we'd love for you to worship with us at West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest. Sunday morning worship begins at 9 a.m., followed by Bible classes for all ages. We meet again at 5 p.m. for evening worship and at 7 on Wednesday night. Dig a Bit is a production of Digging Deep in God's Word, a Bible study for women. For more information, visit thecolleyhouse.org.